The following is a presentation by The Tabernacle, a community of changed lives. For more information regarding service times or if you would like to make a donation to The Tabernacle, you can do so by visiting our website at www.thetabchurch.com. Isaiah chapter 6 says the whole earth is full of his glory. There's no place that we can go where we can escape it. The mountains and the hills and the valleys shout his glory. Our relationships, the face of someone that you love, there's glory there, God's glory. You may be seated. Thank you for being here today. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors, and I was struck while we were singing uh, about the glory of God that, uh, that I saw a little picture of God's glory this weekend. And, and you know, when you know, we say things or hear things or you go to church and they say glory to God or they sing glory to God or you read about glory to God, what is glory? Glory is difficult to describe. It's difficult to define. In fact, one person has said is defining God's glory is kind of like trying to define beauty, right? You see a beautiful person or you see a beautiful scene and, and how do you describe what you saw, that true beauty? That's a little picture of what glory is is and and it's his fame and it's his majesty and it's all the reasons that we acclaim him so i've lived in michigan for 13 years and and i have uh to be honest marveled at my fellow michiganders right because one of the things that always baffled me is that when there was a spring break or a fall break or a summer break or a winter break, so many of you, instead of escaping, you would actually get in your vehicles or your campers and you would take your families even further north, <laughs> right? In, in, into this fabled place that I call the Shire, otherwise known as the UP, right? And so this past uh, uh, week, my wife and I, we packed up our five kids and we took Thursday and Friday off and we finally decided to go see what it was all about. And I want to say that I have been to the UP and I get it now. I get it. I finally get it. I mean, let's be real. I don't get the UP. I mean, no one gets the UP, but I get why you go to the UP because God's glory is just painted all over that place, right? In the waterfalls in Munising and in the pictured rocks and in Lake Superior, it was awesome, eh? It was awesome, right? And it's just a little picture of God's glory. And so, you know, I was thinking about that. And as we're singing, I'm thinking about how God's glory, God deserves glory. God made that place, right? He created that place for us to enjoy and to explore. And, and he created other things for us, Right? But glory belongs to God. The human problem is this, is we say things and see things or sing things like glory to God, but we want a little bit of that glory if there's any left over for us, don't we? Don't we? Right? So, oh yeah, glory to God. Oh yeah, glory. It's all about God. But can I have a little? Right? Or a little bit, can that shine on my team? Right? Or can a little bit, you know, uh, uh, you know, I think I deserve a little bit of glory. See, that's what got our first parents into trouble, Adam and Eve, in the garden. They began to believe this lie of the enemy, this lie that says, I deserve better. I deserve better. Why is all the glory going there? Or for us, when our relationships, some of the glory starts going to you and to you and to you or to her or to him or to them. 
And so then we start thinking, well, I deserve some of that glory. And then when we don't get it, we resent people or we just have resentments in general because we don't have a little taste of that glory. And so then we resent and that resentment leads to us taking what's not ours. This is the basis of every conflict we have in human relationship. I don't want you to have the glory of being right. I don't want you to have the glory of achievement or of looking good. And so I have to insert myself. And so we're fighting over this glory. We're fighting over this thing that we can't even name. We just know that it feels good and really all the glory belongs to God. When we start thinking that we're the one that deserves better, we're the one that deserves to be right, then we begin to resent. Then we start to take what's worse than all of that is we're not loving. We're not loving. So in our series, we've been looking at what love is or what is love exactly. And we've been studying 1 Corinthians 13. And I invite you to continue to study it, continue to read it and reread it to go through it. Last week, we started with 1 Corinthians chapter well, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, where we only looked at the first two things, love is patient and love is kind. And I don't know if you remember, but I was praying for me and for you and for us that we would have opportunities to be patient. Remember that? And I kind of apologize for it. I, I want to thank you for your texts, for your comments, uh, for your hatred that's been coming my way. Like I had more than one person say, this is all John's fault. Because you had an opportunity to be patient. Well, the good news is we're moving on beyond patience and kindness. So you'll have no more opportunities to be patient. That's over with, right? And now we get to the second part of verse 4 in 1 Corinthians 13, where Paul, he's describing what love is. And he says, love is not jealous or boastful. Love is not jealous or boastful. So last week, he started by saying, love is this. It's patient and it's kind. And then this week, we look at what he says, what it's not. It's not jealous or boastful. Some translations say love is not envious or boastful or, or love is not envy, it is not proud. Well, all these words are trying to describe what Paul's talking about in this ancient language and we need to unpack it because we need to understand what love is. It's the only hope for some of our marriages. It's the only hope for some of the conflicts that we find ourselves facing. And if you're here today and you're a Christian or a not you want to know what love is, the Bible's going to tell us what it is. And right here today, it says it's not jealous and it's not boastful. What does it mean by jealous? Jealousy in this sense is not necessarily, you know, the jealousy when we say, hey, you know, you've got a, a, a you know, a nice car. Oh, I'm jealous of that. That's kind of cool. Like we might use that word, but not really be jealous the way it means here. If you have a nice car that I want and I begin to resent you because of it, when I begin to say, oh, it must be nice, right? Well, let's just pause there just for a minute. How many of you have started a conversation like that before or found that coming out of your mouth? Must be nice. Wish I had that job. Preacher work one day a week. Going to the UP on a Thursday and Friday. Must be nice. Well, it's one thing if we're like, hey, that would be cool. I kind of want to do that. That's, that's not necessarily a pride-filled, sinful jealousy. That's more like, oh, I want to do that too. I want to save up my money and get a car, right? 
That's not the jealousy he's talking about. You know, I'm, to be honest, I'm jealous of Pastor Tim's metabolism. <laughs> right? I mean, seriously, the man can eat whatever's put in front of him, you know, and not gain a pound. Well, I, on the other hand, can just smell a Cinnabon in the mall, and I can gain five, right? But I, but I don't resent Tim because of it. The jealousy he's talking about here is a resentful envy of others, right? That's resentment, or that's the jealousy he's talking about. That when my jealousy becomes a resentful envy of others, specifically their achievements, their possessions, their relationships, that's the jealousy he's talking about. When I become to get angry because you have something I don't. And it could be this envy of a real person or a fictitious person. Some of us struggle with jealousy and, and, and we, we can't really put a face to it. Here's a question to determine if I'm an unloving, jealous person. Are you content with the marriage you have? Why or why not? For some of us, we're not jealous of anyone else's marriage in here. We're jealous of the marriage that Nicholas Sparks wrote about. Who died and made him the expert? Or we're jealous of the relationship that we thought Brad and Angelina had. Too soon? <laughs> Some of us are just jealous in general because life's not measuring up to whatever expectation or whatever movie or TV show or false reality that we have. And so we're never content and we never really love. Paul says love is not jealous. Do you start conversations with people that says, you know what, I really love you, but dot, dot, dot. My wife informed me years ago that whenever you start anything with honey, I love you, and then she goes, when you put the but in there, it negates everything you just said. Real love isn't jealous that way. It says, love is not boastful. What does he mean by boastful? Well, some translations say, love is not proud. And specifically, when I'm boastful, I'm showing excessive pride in myself. I'm showing excessive pride in myself or my achievement or in what I have. And sometimes it's real and sometimes it's not real. But don't make this mistake. Boastfulness is not always done with your mouth, although that's easy, right? I mean, have you ever met someone that's just always bragging about themselves? And, and if it's not bragging in an obvious way, it's bragging in another way. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone and all they talk about is themselves, their kids, their vacation, their uh, uh, you know, activities, you know, the latest thing that Billy Bob did, and then all they're doing is just going on and on and on about themselves. And then you go, oh, that's interesting. You know what my kid did? And they're like, that's nice. But you know what? You know how big a deer my kid shot? And then on and on and on? Well, that's... 
boastful. That's not a very loving person, or that might just be someone that's socially awkward and doesn't know what to do with their hands, so they keep their mouth going, right? But we can be boastful in more ways than just with our mouth. Boastfulness can be in uh, our possessions, the things that we buy. Boastfulness can be in the things that we post online. Boastfulness can be in the things that we wear. Boastfulness says, look at me, look at me. I don't want glory to go to God, and I don't want glory to go to you. I want glory. And so I'm doing things and saying things and buying things and acting in such a way that you'll look at me because I don't want to share glory. I don't want to give glory. I want glory. The problem is, is when this invades our relationships, man, you get some real ugly people. Here's another way that boastfulness, I, I see it playing out. If I use my mouth to put you down, that's boastfulness. If I use my mouth or my passive aggressive comments to point out an insecurity or a failing of my wife, that's boastfulness. Good job, John. At her expense, you said something funny to your buddies. Does that make you feel strong, tough guy? Men do this, women do this. Boastfulness plays out this way as well. If you can never be wrong, you're a boastful person. And this is sin. This is not love. Do you enter conflict with the possibility that the other person might have a different perspective? I'll tell you straight up, this season of building this T2 right over here, there's been a lot of conflict. And some of it's real and some of it's not real. Some of it's spiritual warfare stuff and some of it is real, right? Because there's different opinions. And so there's a lot of awesome opportunities for patience and kindness and conflict. Thanks, Lord, right? (laughs) I have tried within my mind to enter every conflict with what is my part in this? Could I have done something different? Because I think that's what loving is. But when you can't come to conflict with any possibility that there might be another perspective, you're boastful. You're boastful. And Paul says that's not love. That's not love. Neither jealousy or boastfulness are loving. And both fall into one of the deadly sins called coveting. When I'm jealous, when I'm boastful, when I have this resentful envy of what someone else has, when I always have to be right, when you always have to see it my way, when I have to draw attention to me, I'm coveting. And coveting is when envy and pride collide and I'm trying to take God's glory or I'm trying to take your glory. See, jealousy is when I feel less than you. Boasting is when I do something about it to elevate myself above you. 
And as human beings, that's where all of our conflicts arise. We either feel bad about ourselves because you have something that I don't have, or we try to make sure everyone knows what I've got. And we on both sides of it, but both of it's coveting. Coveting is the 10th commandment. 10th commandment says, do not covet. And it's important for us to understand. In Exodus chapter 20, God gave his people 10 rules of life, 10 commands. This is how you're going to show love. And he started with the first commandment to have no other gods but God. That means all glory goes that way. So the great commandment, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first commandment. And then the last commandment says, do not covet. Do not covet your neighbor's wife. Do not covet your neighbor's possessions. Do not covet their achievements, their, their position, the fact that people like them and notice them more than you, or they have more followers on Facebook, right? And those two kind of bracket the commandments. And if you keep both of those, all the other commands in between, number two through nine, get really, really, really easy. But we don't do that. We want what we don't have. And then we resent because we don't have it. And that glory, we want it for ourselves. It's poisonous. Because both jealousy and boastfulness, they point at me. It's about me. It's about what I have and what you think that I have. And it's got no place in love. It gets really toxic. It it gets really toxic in our marriages. So I'm just thinking of some conflicts right now that maybe you have, maybe it's just me. But have you ever started a conversation in your marriage where it's like, boy, Must be nice sitting here all day taking care of the kids. Some of us had to get up at 5 a.m. to provide for this family. That's a cliche. I know most women are working just as much or more. But it could be either way. Must be nice. Right? When we become jealous of that person's position and we want to draw attention Do you know how hard I work for this relationship? Do you know how much I've had to forgive you? What is that? Boastfulness. See, loving and especially God's love is opposite. God's love is giving away. It's not self-focused. It's others-focused. That's why Jesus can say to us that the great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love others as you love yourself. We say love God and love people. This is important for us because forever we find ourselves either feeling less than, so we get jealous, or greater than, and so we become boastful. How exhausting is that to constantly go through your life comparing? Well, I'm less than him but I'm greater than her, and I'm pretty sure that I'm less than all of them. And so now I've got to figure out how to get glory for me. Instead of being a person that says, glory belongs to God, and I'm called to love God and love people. I don't want to live an exhausting life. So if love is not jealous and boastful, What is it? 
Love is not taking what isn't mine or resenting others because they have something that I don't. How do we say this in a positive sense? If love is not jealous and boastful, love must be humble. Love must be humble. So love isn't about coveting what I don't have. Love must be humble, like Jesus. You see, Jesus was perfect love. Jesus was God's love in flesh. So if you're just checking out church and you want to know what love is, you just look to Jesus. Jesus was not jealous of what wasn't his. He had an opportunity. It says in Scripture that he was actually tempted by the devil. He'd spent 40 days without food. So he's very hungry, and when he was at his weakest and his hungriest, the enemy comes to him and takes him into the desert to test him. And he told him things like, hey, turn these rocks into bread. And Jesus wouldn't be tempted to go his way. He was tempted when the enemy looked at him and said, I'll give you everything. I'll give you all the glory in the world. All you must do is bow down to me. And he resisted. He chose not to be selfish. He chose not to be jealous of the food he didn't have, nor jealous of the glory that wasn't his. Instead, he was always pointing to God and submitting his life to God. That's how Jesus was. He was the most humble man who ever lived. And here he's the king of the universe. He's the king of kings. But people didn't recognize him because of his humility. He didn't touch the glory that belonged to God. He taught us to pray Thy will be done. Whose will? His will? God the Father's will. In the garden, he said, Lord, if there's any other way, my flesh would love to do something else. But again, not my will, but your will be done. That's love. That's humility. That's Jesus. If you want to know what love is, we look to Jesus and we're called to love humbly like Jesus. That's who we're called to be like. Jesus wasn't boastful. There's so many times I'm reading in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. I don't know if you're familiar with all these Bible stories of Jesus, but I just wanted him to open up a can and just tell everybody, don't you know who I am? Don't you know that I'm right? And instead, what a loving, humble, respecter of persons. He presented the truth and then allowed people to make their own assumptions and their own decisions. He was called a drunkard. He was called a devil worshiper, a son of Satan. He was called a possessed person. He was called horrible things. This is the God of the universe. But he chose not to be boastful. He stood before Pilate, the man who's condemning him to the cross, and let Pilate ask that question, what is truth? When truth in flesh stood right there. And he didn't brag, and he didn't boast. He loved God and loved people. Love is humble. So what's that look like for our lives? What's that look like for our marriages? I don't want to be jealous. I don't want to be boastful. I don't want to be resentful and envious and always trying to figure out Do I have to sell myself here? Uh, How can I make myself feel better? How can I puff up my self-esteem? How can I look good? Well, if love isn't jealous or boastful, the, the only way I know in humility for us to combat our jealousy is to practice gratitude. 
Gratitude. Gratitude means being thankful for what God has given me. That's why when we come to church, we say things like, the songs aren't warm up. The songs are us practicing the same gratitude we're supposed to live. The songs aren't for our entertainment. The songs, most of the songs, are poems set to really good music performed by excellent musicians so together we can voice our gratitude about God's glory. So we can boast about our gratitude for Him, not boasting in ourselves. That's what the worship is about. And then when we leave here, we're supposed to continue to practice that same gratitude. What would it look like for us? What would it look like for you, for me, if this week we were to practice gratitude instead of being jealous for what we don't have? The wife God has given me is the wife that I am called to love. I'm not called to love the wife that I would prefer. Many of us are so caught up in that. We're still trying to get him or her to be this ideal of what we're jealous of, that we're missing what God's trying to do in us. In that case, the song is correct. Love the one you're with. Love the one you're with. She's my standard. You're not my standard. You're not in my marriage. She's my standard. What I see on a screen, in a movie, what you read about in a book, that's not our standard. I'm now her standard of a husband. She's my standard for a wife. And if we're both selflessly loving that way and not being jealous of who the other is not, that marriage has a shot. What would it look like if we were to love that way, to humbly display gratitude? What would it look like for me to be grateful for the body God has given me instead of the metabolism that Tim has? How would that change my perspective? Because I'm exactly as God made me to be. Who am I to look at the one who made me and say, why did you make me like this? And the same thing with my personality and the same thing with all of the things that make me uniquely me. Wouldn't it be cool if I could just ditch all of these me thoughts for a minute. You know, it's interesting. That's, that's a description that C.S. Lewis gives us in humility, or of, sorry, of humility in mere Christianity. He says, if you and I were to truly meet a humble person, you would not walk away from that person going, wow, that person was so humble. That person spent all their time saying, oh, it's not me. Oh, I'm just a nobody. Oh, it's all about you. He said, because the person that brags about themselves is obviously self-obsessed. But the person that's constantly telling you they're a nobody, they're just as self-obsessed, aren't they? A truly humble person He says, you would walk away from that person saying, wow, they were so interested in me. They wanted to ask questions about my life. They wanted to know what was going on with me. They weren't caught up in self. And that's a freeing way to live. What would happen if we were to have that kind of love or display that kind of love? The way to combat jealousy is with gratitude. The way to combat Boastfulness is modesty. What if we were to practice modesty? 
I don't have to tell these people everything I've ever done. They don't have to know my entire resume when I first meet them. What if I was interested in them and finding out about them instead of letting them know how great I am? What if I could be modest and even though I might think I'm right, how about I listen to them first? What if we just entertain the possibility that the other person might have a point? How would our lives be different this week? That's humble like Jesus. That's the kind of love, I think, that could change things. You know, our church, our vision is changed lives. You've, you guys have heard that before, right? If, just raise your hand if you ever heard us talk about changed lives. Oh, four of you. Good. All right. Just kidding. Yeah, changed lives. But changed into what? Changed into what? Good people that never make mistakes? Good persons that get the checklist right and look Christian and listen, you know, listen to Christian radio and, I don't know, are kind of vanilla? I don't think that's the change that God's after. The change that he's after is he's changing us into people who love And the way we love is not jealous and it's not boastful. The way we love is humble. The way we love is not coveting what we don't have. The way we love is a love that's full of gratitude and modesty. A love that's discovered. It doesn't have to be shoved right in your face. What would happen if we loved that way? What would happen if you injected that kind of humility into your love relationships? What could that change for you this week? See, I get excited about stuff like that because that's when we take all the philosophical and all the spiritual and all the verses and all the scripture. What happens if if we actually do those things? What if we were to actually apply them to our marriages, to our families, to every relationship we have? What if we were to do that with our enemies? Be humble No, what do we say in America? We kick it in the door and we tell everyone we're right. It's about time we're going to open up a can. Instead, what if we were to be humble like Jesus and say, you know what? Love is not jealous. It's not boastful. Love is not envious. It is not proud. Love's different. That's changed lives right there. The band's going to come, and we're going we're gonna to continue to sing. We're going to sing about the God who loves. We're going to sing about God's glory. We're going to give him glory. And, and, and remember, this is just practice. I kind of hate to use the word practice, but that's what we're doing. When we sing about God, when we direct our attention to God, we're practicing loving God. When, when we let the people around us worship the way that they're going to worship, we're practicing loving people. But remember... It's one thing to do it in church. It's a whole nother thing to do it out there. It's one thing to love that way in here. But if we don't love that way in our homes and in our jobs and on the athletic fields and in our cars and in our interactions, it's worthless. But that kind of love, that humble love, that Jesus gospel kind of love, it can change everything. 
I believe there's probably some people here today that have never known that kind of love. Maybe you weren't shown that kind of love. Maybe you're not a Christian and you're just trying to figure it out. Maybe you've been turned off because church hasn't shown you that before. Christians you've interacted with haven't shown you that before. I just want to say that that wasn't real love. But real love is available to all of us. And if it's available to all of us, that means it's also available for all of us to display. Love that's not full of itself. Love instead like Jesus that gave itself away. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave himself away by climbing up on a cross and dying for our selfishness and dying for our thievery when we stole his glory and dying for our little jealousy and our little I have to be right. The end of that exhausting trail could be this morning for some of us. You guys know my middle name is Wright? It is, W-R-I-G-H-T. And can I tell you something? It's exhausting. It's exhausting. But God is teaching me, you know what real love is? No, love is humble. What's God teaching you about love? If you don't know Jesus, we'd invite you to get to know him today. And if you do know Jesus, you know how to respond. We hear his word and we give him glory. And the way we love God and love people is selfless. It's not full of jealousy for what we don't have. And it doesn't boast by trying to take it. Let's give God glory together. Brian, would you lead us?